Shalom and blessings. This is Pastor Clifton McDowell Sr. here at the Church of God of East New York, located in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray this week's sermon blesses and encourages you for the journey. God bless. Now enjoy the sermon. You can take your seat. Amen. Thank God again for, for being in the, in the room, for having a place, having a space to gather one more time. You think about companies, companies, organizations, um, they have a way of getting our attention in so, so many ways. They, they put up billboards on the highways and on the byways. They run creative ads and commercials during the Super Bowl. They print their logo on pins and pads and shirts. Some of the best brands know that a good slogan, amen, may be all that it really takes to make an impact and to make their product or their service memorable. They serve as reminders. They're short. and They hold the attention of the people. They serve, amen, to let us know that they're out there. The most famous slogans stand the test of time as well. For example, I want to test your memory. Ready for a test? Those of you that are online, you're going to take part in it too. You can, if you know the answer, put it in the chat. If you're here in the room, you can yell it out. I'm going to give you a tagline and you shout out the company or write it in the chat. Just do it. Okay? Think different. All you Apple people. That's Apple. Stronger than dirt. Ajax. Can't believe I ate the whole thing. Plot, plot, fizz, fizz. Alka Seltzer. The quicker picker upper. Have it your way. Mm-mm, good. Campbell's soup. What's in your wallet? All right. America runs on Duncan. That was a giveaway. It keeps going and going and energizer. So easy a caveman could do it. Geico. <laughs> okay. They're great. Frosted flakes. Bet you can't eat just one. Lay's potato chips. Good to the last drop. Maxwell House. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. All right. Expect more, pay less. Target. Where's the beef? Okay, all right. The breakfast of champions. Wheaties. Can you hear me now? <laughs> Lifting Christ, raising generations of disciples. All right. Trust them, obey them, and watch them work. 
no place like this place anywhere near this place. This must be the place. All right, just check in. I wonder how you did. How did you do in the chat? How'd they do? Did okay, somebody said. But there's one more I want to use, and I want to use it for this message. In 1950, let me, let me just tell you, one of, those, one of the slogans is still being used, and it, didn't, it came out in the 1800s. And it, the, the slogan says it's 99.49% pure. If you look on their product, it's still there. I used, to, I used to look at Lady Deborah, and I used to say, you're my girl, ivory soap girl. Just threw that in. Dr. Morgan would say, you're not charging you for that. But in 1950, a company sales executive by the name of Dale W. Ellis, he had taken his child to the hospital. His wife was nervous about it. Um, they had put their child under the care of physicians and, and he used a phrase that he to reassure his wife regarding the son's care by the doctors. He told her their child was in good hands with the doctors. He shared that experience in a sales meeting and the slogan used by the Allstate Insurance Company since 1950 has been, you're in good hands with Allstate. It has been their slogan since that time. In 2016, they ran a marketing campaign alongside their slogan that stated, it's good to be in good hands. It's good to be in good hands. I submit to you, Church of God, Saints of the Most High God, Church of God of East New York, friends, family, and loved ones, that it's good to be in good hands. And God's hands, in God's hands, you're in good hands. Somebody say amen. Amen. Matter of fact, tell yourself, I'm in good hands in God's hands. Jesus told his apostles who represent the church in the book of Matthew chapter 28, verse, um, verse 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and in the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And listen how he finishes it. And surely I am with you. How long? I am with you always. And then God told the Jewish Christians through Paul, with you to the very end of the age, he tells the Jewish Christians through Paul in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, here it is, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Isn't that good? 
And then God tells Joshua through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses um, 6 through 8. God tells Joshua through Moses, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For he, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never, say never. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all Israel, he gathers an audience, witnesses, be strong and courageous, for you must go, amen, with this people into the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. One of the names for God is Jehovah Shammah. He is the God who is there. And then God tells Joshua directly in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And here it is again, I will never, say never, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God tells Israel, he tells us the same thing. What he's telling Israel, he's telling the body of Christ. In Isaiah 49, verse 13, starting at verse 13, shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice, you earth, Burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born, though she may forget? I will not forget you. Oh, thank you, God. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before before me. What a beautiful prophecy of hope and promise for God's children. It's one that models the tender compassion, a tender picture of the heart of God, the heart that God has for his people. The compassion of our Father in heaven is beyond what the sinful heart can comprehend. But God will never leave us. He promised I, he would never forsake us, even if for a time he may discipline us for our own good. God gives us this image of engraving us on his palms like a mother would capture a picture of each of her children in her heart. God says there's a possibility she may forget, but mothers have a way of knowing their children. 
There's something that imprints itself on a mother's heart. Their face, their features, their sound. You can have babies crying, more than one baby crying in the room. But a mother will say, that's my child. In the middle of the night, dad may be sleeping. But mom hears that sound and she says, that's my child. The image is meant to encourage us that God not only has not forgotten you, he's not forgotten his people, but he cannot forget us. Having set his heart on us, he will never leave, we will never ever leave his mind. He sees the walls of our dwelling in his mind's eyes constantly. God is spirit. God doesn't have a body like you and I, but it was, this was also a prophecy of the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus would actually be wounded for us. And he says, listen, I'll never forget you. You know, there are some folk that tell you, I'll never forget you. You ever had somebody says, I'm never going to forget you. I'm never, I'm, I'm just never going to forget you. In junior high school, you separated. I'm never going to forget you. In high school, oh, I love you so much. I'll never forget you. You go away to college. You meet them on the street and they, you, you recognize them and they say, who are you? But you said you'd never forget me. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm telling the truth. Isaiah 49 says, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. The first word there, he says, see. See, God tells us to look at him. It's, it's not a, he's not a distant, pers impersonal God. He's not some force out there. God says, look, see. He's not some social concept or construct. He is a person. He is deity. He is the creator who has revealed himself to us that we might know him. He is a God that can be known. He revealed himself the power of his resurrection, his charge to us is that every day that we look to him and see. One writer says, look and live, my brother live. Look to Jesus now and live. And so he says, see, check me out. He says, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. We know that God doesn't have physical hands, but this is poetic imagery. That means he keeps us in his mind by way of a powerful and permanent reminder. It's interesting to note, and as I just shared with you, Jesus would later be wounded in his feet, in his side, on his back, on his head, and of course, in his hands for the sake of the church, for the love that he had for the world. It was the nail holes in his hands that caused Thomas to say, and in his side, that caused Thomas to say, my Lord and my God. And the scripture prophesied that all the way back in Isaiah, I've graven you on my hands. Isaiah 55 tells us in verse 5, he was wounded 
He was wounded or pierced for our transgressions. He, 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 was, he, he retained those wounds. In heaven, Jesus is on the right hand of the Father, but Scripture teaches us that he has retained those wounds, not because he had to, because I believe when Jesus healed somebody in Scripture, the wounds went away. When Jesus made somebody whole in Scripture, they were made fully whole. But Jesus has retained the wounds in his body as in heaven as trophies of, great, of victory. All of our wounds, all of our cuts, you know how guys get together and say, I got that in, in this war, and I got this on the basketball court, and I got in a skirmish. All of our cuts, scrapes, amputations, burns will be removed and fully restored. Or you ought to say glory. Will be fully restored in glory. The, the, the Tompkins Avenue, way before your time, but the Tompkins Avenue singers used to sing, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. One songwriter captured this with an awesome truth in the chorus when he said, The only scars in heaven are in the hands of the hands who hold us now. The only scars in heaven won't be yours, amen. Your, your mother, my mother, a man who's gone on to be with glory in glory, no more scars. Loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord, no more scars, amen. One day when the body that was buried connects with the spirit that is with the Lord, no scars, no wounds, no blemishes. Amen. What, what are those things? No pimples. No pimples in heaven. <laughs> but Jesus holds them in his body, amen, as trophies of victory. And he says, your walls are ever before me. How many of you know the Lord knows where you live? Aren't you glad he knows where you dwell? He knows what's going on inside of your house. He knows what's going on on your job. He knows what's going on in your community. Amen. He knows, amen, the walls, our walls are ever before him. We too forget God. If you be honest, there are times that we forget God. I know I do. Y'all may be so anointed, so Holy Ghost filled, so fire baptized, there's never a moment, not even a moment that you forget God. But we often fail to keep God on our mind. And yet the scripture says he keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. But we often fail to keep in mind, amen, the Lord, not only that, but we often fail to keep in mind those we're supposed to love in this world. Mm -hmm. we, we get so distracted and consumed with our own stuff, our own troubles, our own feelings, that the reality is we forget people. Y'all ain't going to say amen, but it's true. 
And yet the two greatest commandments that the Lord gave us when he says, what are the, what are the greatest commandments? And he told that, 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 that um, professional or expert of law, he says, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is like the first. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all the law of the prophets, all the commands and the prophets, hang on these two. Love God feverishly, fervently, and love your neighbor like you love yourself. And then on the night before he would go to the cross, he looked at his disciples and says, I've got a new command for you. I, I, need, I, need, to, I need to put a, little, put a little annotation on what I've already told you. He says, love one another as I have loved you, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. I don't want to leave it up to you to decide how to love one another. I don't want to leave it arbitrary that you, you decide, I'm going to love you. No, he says, you look at the way I love you, and that's the way I want you to love. Take me as your model, because sometimes I don't feel like loving you. Come on, y'all look at me. But Jesus says, I'm not leaving it up to your discretion. Love like I loved. And greater love have no man. And a man laid down his life for his brother. We begin to think that God is like us sometimes. Distracted by the events of life from thinking about us because we fail to think about him like we should, and we fail to think about people like he's commanded us. But I'm so glad that God is not like me. Come on, say amen. We think that God gets distracted. Not, no, God doesn't get distracted. Amen. I told you, how many times have I told you, you can't surprise God. You, you, can't, you can't sneak up on God. You, you can't catch God unaware. God is never distracted. You know how the enemy would work? He would try to distract God, get God's attention, and then take you out. But I'm so glad that my God can never be distracted. While his eyes are on you, his eyes are on me. He's there in South Africa. He's there in Asia. He's there in Europe. He's right here in America. God doesn't forget. God doesn't get distracted by the events of life. From thinking about us. We think because we're not thinking of him. He can't possibly be not, he can't possibly be thinking about us. I want to tell you something. When your mind is so far removed from God, you're on God's mind. Somebody shout amen. Shout hallelujah. God is not like us. He's perfectly and consistently faithful. In fact, Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. You are not God. You will never be God. You're not becoming God. You're not evolving to a God. You will never be the creator. You will always be the creation. He says, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, they're higher than your thoughts. 
That's my God. In this chapter of Scripture, we see that God has us in mind. But he also has a heart for us. See, he's not just thinking about us. We're on his heart. We're not just on his mind, but we're on his heart. His love for us is so deep, so high, so wide. He will not forget us. And, and you, you, we don't deserve it. It's a gift. The love of God is so deep. You can't exhaust the love of God. It's so deep. It goes so high, it reaches so low, it goes so wide. Even in those times when we may feel abandoned and forgotten because of what's going on in our lives that may cause us pain, disappointment, that may cause us heartache, Sorrow and grief. Am I telling to the right people? Do you, do you have some disappointment sometime? Do you, do, do you feel sometime abandoned by God? Do, do you feel like sometime, God, where are you? What are you doing? I'm here to tell you that no matter how you feel abandoned, you are never abandoned by God because God has says, I will never leave you. I will never forget you. I will never forsake you. I just, today, I just want to encourage somebody that it's good to be in good hands. And in God's hands, you're in good hands. I want to just encourage someone who's following Jesus, stay with the Lord. Are you hearing me? Stay with the Lord. That person who's trying to live their lives for Jesus and things have been really difficult of late. It's been a season of grief. It's been a time of heartache, pain, and disappointment. I want to tell you, in God's hands, you're in good hands. That young adult or that teenager, you've made a commitment to follow Jesus. But the time has brought you, time has brought you, life has brought you the unexpected. You thought you'd be in a different place by now. You thought you'd be further down the road by now. But it's a good thing to be in good hands and in God's hands. You're in good hands. So I want to tell that teenager, I want to tell those young adults, male and female, stay with the Lord no matter what. I want to encourage that believer who's been disillusioned by life, disappointed by people, family, church members, friends, and coworkers. You hold to God's unchanging hand. You build your hopes on things eternal because in God's hands, you're in good hands. That brother or sister in Christ who feels like God has abandoned you, you feel like maybe God's angry at you and is chastening you, I want to tell you, stay with God because in God's hands, you're in good hands. I want to tell that follower of Christ, considering, you're considering throwing in the towel, throwing up your hands, walking away from the Lord, and this way of life. 
I'm going to tell you, don't do it. Because it's a good, it's good to be in good hands. And in God's hands, you're in good hands. So stay with the Lord, no matter what. I want to encourage that person who's going through medical treatments. They're difficult. They're painful. They're draining physically, emotionally, and relationally. I want to encourage you today. I want to help you to encourage yourself. How many of you know you got to encourage yourself sometime? I want to give you some ammunition to encourage yourself. Amen. I want you to encourage somebody else with a simple message. Stay with God. Because it's good to be in good hands. And in God's hands, you're in real good hands. It may not always feel that way. Can we be honest? It may not always feel that way. But I'm asking you, believe me. Believe God. Believe his word. Believe the accounts of others who have gone on. Believe their testimonies. Testimonies like Daniel's, who was thrown into the lion's den, filled with hungry lions. Why? For staying true to the faith, praying three times a day, even in the face, amen, of imprisonment. But even in that lion's den, even there, he was what? In good hands because he was in God's hands. You remember the three Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were thrown into a fiery furnace made seven times hotter for refusing to bow and worship to anyone else but God. But even there, they were in good hands because they were in God's hands. See, sometimes we think where it's only a good place if it's, we feel it's good for us. We feel it's only a good place if it's cool, comfortable. But no, I want to tell you something. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You're still in good hands when you're in God's hands. And God's hands are good hands. Amen. I want to tell somebody. Believe Esther. Amen. Who was a Persian queen, but also a Jew. She had to risk her life to save her people. But even at the risk of her life, she was in good hands. Why? Because she was in God's hands. Then I think of Stephen in the New Testament. One of the first deacons, one of the first leaders chosen, and the first martyr in the body of Christ. He was stoned to death. Why? He spoke truth to power. That's what he did. He spoke truth to power and he preached the gospel. But even in death, even in death, he was in good hands. Amen. He was in good hands. Why? Because he was in God's hands. And the scripture says, he, as he was being stoned, as his life was ebbing out, he looked up and he saw the heavens open. And he saw the throne of God. And he saw one as of Jesus Christ. And Jesus stands up as he's dying, as he's going down. Jesus stands up. Why? Because Stephen was in good hands. And he, God wanted Stephen to know, I got you. 
I got you. You need to tell yourself, God's got this. Why does God got this? Because God got me. And so I just want to encourage somebody, stay with the Lord. Live a holy and sanctified life. Live for his glory. Live out his will and purpose for your life. You may feel like you've stepped out of the frying pan into the fire sometime because you refuse to compromise your commitment to Christ, because you refuse to compromise your character or biblical values for something or someone. I just want to tell you and remind you and press you you're in good hands when your life is in God's hands. And he promises that he would work all things out for your good to them that love him, that are called according to his word. You're in good hands when you say yes to God's will and yes to God's way no matter what. Because in those hands, there's strength. In those hands, you find comfort. In those hands, those deep hands, amen, you find provision. You find grace and mercy in those hands. You find patience and endurance in those hands, peace and prosperity. They're in those hands. Forgiveness and restoration are in those hands. There's comfort. There's healing in those hands. Those hands will hold you up. Keep you stable. Do I have a witness in the room? When all around you is giving way, those hands will hold you steady. We find provision in those hands, protection, stability, and peace. And by prayer and faith, my family is in those hands. Anybody with me? I place my family in those hands. Amen. I wouldn't place my family in anybody's hands. But I place my family in those hands. I place my congregation, the community, the city, the world. I place them by prayer and faith in those hands. My life is in those hands. I'm trusting my life to those hands. My today is in those hands. My, my, my past. He knows stuff about me you'll never know. But it's in those hands. But not only is my today, my past in those hands, my future. My future is in those hands. And those hands are good hands. And no matter what the future brings, I'm in his hands. I heard a song recently and it says, in his hands we have a place to call home. In his hands we have a place where we belong. In his hands he's in control. And so my sisters, my brothers, young and older, <laughs> married and single, with and without children, my message to you is to stay with God no matter what, knowing that nobody can pluck you out of his hands because you're in good hands when you're in God's hands. John 8, verse 31 after an extended time of teaching, Jesus made this statement. If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In 2018, Allstate, their marketing department, went on a marketing campaign, and they added to their logo 
that you're in good hands with all state. They then said, now that you know the truth, are you in good hands? They asked the audience the question, now that you know the truth, are you in good hands? If you are in the hands of Christ, I submit your answer should be a resounding yes. I know the truth, I'm holding to his teachings, and I'm in good hands. But if you're living your life outside of Christ, living it on your own terms, my friend, I'll answer it for you. No. Whether you're in this room or whether you're at home in a living room or a kitchen, if you're living outside of Christ, if you're living it on your own terms, are you in good hands now that you know the truth? No, you are not. Outside of Christ, life will end bad for you. Even if you feel it's going pretty well now, you will have lost everything and gained nothing. Because outside of Christ, you're in the hands of one who steals, kills, and destroys. He's a deceiver. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus posed the question that I will pose to you in closing. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? What good is it? What does it profit a man, a woman, a boy or girl to gain the whole world and lose their soul? Today, today you can step toward the one who's stepping toward you, urging you, drawing you, to give your life to the one who gave his life for you. But I need to tell you, I need to warn you, time is running out. You've heard the truth. You know the way, and you are still lost in your sin. I saw a Nike sign that said, Yesterday, yesterday you said today. Yesterday, you said, I'll give my life. Yesterday, you said, I'll do it today. My question is, when will today be the today you spoke about yesterday? I'm going to ask those in the room if you'll stand to your feet. Time is running out. It's so fleeting. This year is almost done. The summer has ended. The harvest has ended. And still you're not saved. Songwriter said, Oh, come to the Lord today. Come sinner without delay. Oh, give him your heart, I pray. Why carelessly wait? Why carelessly wait? Why carelessly wait? You, you know that the end is nigh. Why carelessly wait? Soon. Soon in eternity, poor sinner, your soul shall.
but then can atone for thee. Oh, I carelessly You stand at the judgment seat, your records of sin you'll meet. Come bowing at Jesus' feet, why carelessly wait? Oh, why? Carelessly, carelessly wait. Oh, why carelessly wait? Well, you know that the end is nigh. Why carelessly wait? Think about it. Come to the Lord today. Come, sinner, without delay. Oh, give him your heart, I pray. Why carelessly wait? This is what it says. Soon you will be called to die, poor soul to the Savior fly, you know that the end is nigh, why carelessly, right where you're at in your seat, at home, your waiting can be over today, today can be the that today you spoke about yesterday. You can commit your life to the Lord. He can forgive you. Why? Because his hands are deep. Forgiveness runs deep. Love runs deep in those hands. Why not make the Lord your Savior today? Romans 8. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart you believe and are justified and is with the mouth that you profess your faith. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He'll forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Right there where you're at in your seat, if you need to ask God to forgive you, ask God to cleanse you, if you walked away from the Lord, now's the time to come back. Tomorrow's not promised to you. You may feel like you're doing well, but what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and loses one soul? Ask him to forgive you. Pray something like this. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. And I ask you for your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take complete control of my life. and Help me to walk in your footsteps daily. Help me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer. 
today you can be in good hands because in God's hands you're in good hands Father thank you thank you for your word thank you for reminding us that no matter what's going on no matter what happens you will care for us and your mighty hand will enable us to stand no matter what happens to us. I pray for those that are in this room. I pray for those that are at home. I pray to God that you would touch their hearts and in their lives. I pray to God that somebody would say yes to your will and way. And somebody will say no to the enemy today. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your word. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, let somebody know. Let us know that I've given my heart to the Lord. I'm in good hands. Amen. Now that I know the truth, I know in whose hands I'm in. I know that God's hands is able to keep what I've committed unto him against that day. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and tag us in your social stories at C-O-G-E-N-Y. Thank you to those who have given generously to this ministry in the past. And if you'd like to become a contributor, head over to cog-eny.com. That's cog-eny.com. And just click on the offering and donations tab. Again, thank you so much. Now God bless.